0: This
1: year's donations might go to, say,
2: the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and ah, time. That's all it takes, really.
1: What kind of activity has turned the massive?
0: Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love
1: rocks.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Geology Podcast. My name is Steve.
1: Hey there, everyone. This is Chris.
0: Good um good day everyone hello i'm jesse
2: jesse people people are going to start being worried about you like <laughs> yeah
0: <he's- laughs> well, I you know i was thinking about this earlier and i was like oh got to come up with a good opening and then it actually i'm like all right i'll just wing it and as it goes whenever you try and wing anything it just falls flat
1: <laughs> no, that's sometimes when the best stuff comes out, you know, you yeah. just in that flow state, that flow podcast state, you know. Yeah. yeah,
0: I was gonna I was gonna say good morrow, but I don't think that really works. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Anyways, <Yes. laughs> you start thinking for next week. Yeah, welcome I mean, everybody to the premier geology podcast, the geology flannel cast. Thanks hmm. for uh thanks for downloading the episode and, and hanging out with us today.
2: Yep, yeah. we always always appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah. We are talking about the Appalachian Mountains yet again.
1: We got another uh, multiple part uh, topic again. Um, there was so much information in the last podcast. We said, you know what? We got to break this up into, into at least two episodes. So that's what we're doing today. Today's the second part of the Appalachian Mountain Saga, if you may. Ooh, I like Saga.
2: I like Saga too.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's.
2: Saga to me, baby.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. So we should uh, recap in case you didn't listen to part one. Number one, you should listen to part one. That would probably be very helpful, uh, you know, to listen to this one. But in case you're not going to listen to part one, we can kind of give a little uh, 30-second summary. Uh, We talked about the Grenville orogeny, which happened like a billion years ago. And that was kind of like the precursor for the – for, for the Appalachian mountains. And then uh, there's three distinct mountain building events that are that are seen in the Appalachian mountains during the Paleozoic era. We have the Taconic orogeny, the Acadian orogeny, and then the Alleghanian orogeny. So we talked about in the, the last episode, we covered the Taconic and Acadian orogeny. The Taconic orogeny and island arc system collides with uh, Laurentia, which is basically North America, the, the modern day East coast of North America. Uh, the Acadian orogeny, that's when a microcontinent named uh, Avalonia collides with uh, the modern-day east coast of North America, which brings us up to the Allegheny orogeny. So, who wants to kick this off?
2: Which of the three is your favorite?
1: Ooh. You know what? The man, the volcanoes are pretty cool. They, <laughs> I
0: always forget about them. It's they are pretty great.
1: You know. We talked, uh, last episode about, we, we had a debate about where the, where the, uh, had, uh, had you guys ever seen the, the bentonite, uh, layers from the, that, well, they turned into bentonite bentonite is a type of clay, but it originated as volcanic ash. And, uh, we see these, we see like, we call them like these little like stringers of volcanic ash all over the East coast. And that's kind of telling us in the rock record, like, Hey, the volcanoes are coming kind of like Paul Revere off in the, in the night, you know? <laughs> The British are coming. Well, the 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 Bet Night Stringers, are like the volcanoes are coming.
2: Yeah, Bet Night if by C. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I
1: mean, you, pushing the, it. The one-liners, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Just keep on coming. Just keep on coming. All right. So, the Allegheny and This is the one that kind of puts up. You know, and this is this is the the, the final the, the the third orogenic event that's found in the Appalachian Mountains, right? So it it's, starts off in the Carboniferous period and it goes and extends a little bit into the into the Permian period as well. So we're dealing with a time frame about 325 million years ago to about 260 million years ago. And so what ends up happening is we have. We get a lot of continents start colliding together for this one. All right. We it's it's kind <laughs> it's like of a your, hot mess to tell you this. Earth,
2: earth bumper cars.
1: Yeah, exactly. I I actually I, I do say that. I say it's like it's like bumper cars. When you're when you're playing, you know, when you when you're on bumper playing in bumper cars, whatever, there's always that cluster in the corner or whatever, where there's like a big pile on of cars where there's you know, like 10 cars, and and you gotta wait until the outer cars start peeling off to for the people in the middle to, to get out. And it's, it's, it's a giant mess. And that's actually what happened kind of with the, with the Appalachian mountains uh, during this, uh, the Allegheny Neurogeny. We had, Oh, who was, everyone was in the mix pretty much, but. um,
0: it, Yeah. Because it leads to everyone being together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So why
2: can't we be friends?
1: Well, they were, but, but then we they're like, be friends? you know, nothing gold can stay pony boy. You know, <laughs> is that, was that the line for the outsiders? It is. It nothing
0: was, gold yeah. Can,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Not well, even the Beatles could stay together, you know? it's.
0: <laughs> oh, shoot. That reminds me. I want to say, did I talk about the gold rush? Which one? D- during, so the the first one. Oh, the, the first gold rush. In... We have a little
1: addendum for last week. Is that where you're getting at?
0: What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Did I talk about it?
1: No, we did not talk about any no. last week.
0: Oh, I meant to.
1: All right. So let's go ahead. The, the stage is yours.
0: <laughs> well, I wish it wasn't. So the, the very first <laughs> <clears throat> um, gold rush in the US was, was in North Carolina. Okay. And it was in... Um, uh like the western part of the states Uh, yes sort of west sort of south um i'm trying to picture it in my head I'm, I'm all flummoxed yeah so it's like you know if you picture north carolina um where charlotte is it's 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 a little bit east and south of of, of charlotte
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and you find these gold deposits in Southern North Carolina, some parts of South Carolina, but also in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And so we should also just stick a pin in this. The next time we're, we're down in Georgia visiting you, we should
1: go panning for gold. Yes. Up in uh, this town of Dahlonega.
0: Yeah, the, the, that's yeah, that's the. I was that I'm glad you said that because I was trying to think of what the name of that
2: o- on a total other sidebar. I'm building a battle robot that's called the Prospector. Ooh. so you're a, building okay, it's this, got a I, rock hammer for a weapon.
1: He's not, <laughs> yeah. building a robot. I, I got excited, I swear I to God,
2: I, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you the pictures.
0: Uh, what a great name <laughs> for a battle robot,
2: right? and uh I, I, it's me my brother and my cousin and we're all last named petersons so we're gonna call it stinky petersons <laughs> who was the prospector in toy story 2
1: oh we're, okay okay i didn't, oh. I didn't know that I don't wow. see? Know. not up to date on my toy story 2 trivia but
2: uh, yeah it's only 25 years old so yeah right <laughs> um anyway sorry carry on yeah so panning for gold i'm in
0: Pan- yeah so Delanaga, so the Delanaga golds was thought uh, there there's a connection with um the uh Acadian orogeny I'm sorry I'm very rusty on this because I had it last week and now I'm like blanking on on exactly um yeah it would be the Akkadian orogeny so there was some thought that the the gold the the placer deposits were from the uplift of 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 um, some of this when acadia when avalonia accreted onto proto north america you had some abduction so you had some uplift okay and you you brought up some of these quartz quartz veins which is where you find you know the these golds that often in place themselves. Um, and so you get these placer deposits in the streams that are eroding off the, these uplifted terrains from the Akkadian orogeny. So there, there, there's this connection between the uplift of the Akkadian. I want to say it was the Akkadian. I don't think it was the Allegadian, I think it was the Akkadian um, that left the the gold from the first, basically two major gold rush. In, in our country's history, which would be in North Carolina. In North Carolina was in 1799. And Dahlonega, I want to say, it was like the 1820s. But they were still mining gold. They were commercially mining gold down in, until the mid-20th century. And, yeah. you know, 1950s probably. I don't know off the top of my head. But, um, yeah, the last the last uh, active um, commercial mine we was into the 20th century but it's estimated you know just yeah mid 20th century uh, that they pulled out <clears throat> almost 25,000 kilograms of gold which is cow. Whoa. Yeah. I don't I don't know what the conversion is to American dollars. But a lot. <laughs> it is. So, you know, it's eight hundred and seventy thousand troy ounces, and the price of gold per ounce today is seventeen hundred dollars. Whoo! So just actually, the price per kilo is fifty six thousand two hundred eighteen. Um. There's twenty four thousand. That's one point three billion dollars worth of gold. Wow! In today's money, that's pretty cool. In today's money, yeah. So, yeah. So there is this connection with um, the the resources and the economics. I think is is sort of the big story here. That you know, when you have the 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 Allegheny Raji, which we're talking about now, you you start creating. Um, the basins where we're going to get swamps that form to the west of the mountains. Am I stealing your thunder?
2: No, I just wanted, I was waiting for you to say the word.
0: Mm. Oh no. The, the, I mean the swamps, <laughs> one of the products is, is methane. And so we get a lot of <laughs> natural gas. Yes. That's <laughs> earlier nice. on earlier, you know, prior to this, Prior to the Akkadian orogeny, you know, as the Akkadians coming in, we have the Eastern Iapetus Sea that separates Laurentia from Avalonia. And, um, you know, it's in some of the seaway, in the seaway. And there's actually a seaway that forms then a little bit west is where you get the emplacement of, you know, you have a lot of plankton and things that are alive in there. A lot of um, little single-celled creatures, little, uh, I guess, foraminifera. And when they die, their organics turn into the oil that is, you know, the oil we have in Pennsylvania, which is all in place during this time. And, And a lot of the faulting from these orogenies acts as the traps. I mean, you get a lot, you have some salt caps too. There's actually salt domes are sort of a big part of this when the oceans dry up. But the faulting also acts as these structural traps for the oil. Um, you know, and, and we've talked about the first commercial well in Pennsylvania and whatnot. But the salt domes, did I mention, I mentioned this a couple episodes ago that the salt domes, these, um They're used for methane reservoirs. Today, we store natural gas in these old reservoirs um, that we're pulling out of the ground today. Pull it out, pump it back in uh, as as it goes. (laughs) Uh,
2: Yeah, and not just Pennsylvania. I mean, you get it into New York. You get it down in uh, West Virginia. I guess a little bit in Kentucky. Is there oil in Kentucky?
1: A little bit. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh you got Ohio. Right? Ohio too. Yeah, yeah. So, anywhere you have that Marcellus Utica. Yeah. Shales, but I guess even shallower than that. Um but yeah. Pretty interesting how much money came out of this one, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you're talking just a, over a billion dollars just in gold. And then you've taken all of the oil, gas and coal. No, uh, <laughs> I said it. Forgot all um, about it. <laughs> I forgot all about it. <laughs> um, but seriously, I mean, that, that would be an interesting paper. This is how much money came out of the uh, Alleghenian Orogyne. <laughs>
1: it would be an interesting paper. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I'm on it. <laughs> So when we have, during the uh, Allegheny Neurogeny, what we have happening is, uh, at least on the, on the East Coast of North America, one of the, the main factors is North America, or North America collides with Africa, right? Or specifically Gondwana. And uh, like I said, but all the, when Pan, and this, this closes the Atlantic Ocean up, and this is the, this is the formation of, of Pangea. So we we were looking up some of the uh, some of some of the stats because there's there's some uh, there's some conflicting information out there, gentlemen, about what What? yes yes there's some conflicting information out there about the height of the of the Appalachians when you know right at the uh, uh, at the Allegheny orogeny when when they were basically baby mountains can we all agree they were taller than they are now. Yes, we can agree okay. that they are they are taller than they are now,
0: somewhere between the Alps and the Himalayas.
1: Yes, um, uh, specifically. Well, I was reading it's one of the some of the. Well, I guess I should phrase it like this. I was you always hear like people. I don't. I don't. I I had heard that the the uh, Appalachians were as high as the Himalaya mountains during during this orogenic event. But then there's some other estimates out there that uh, specifically some, some journal articles that, uh well, there's some other, yeah, journal sources out there that say that it was about as high as the Andes mountains. So, yeah. Yeah. And so you're looking at, and they uh, specifically this, this one uh, journal article, this is from um, uh, Rudy Slingerland and Kevin Furlong uh, back in 1989 stated that there was an, uh, the Appalachian, um, yeah, the Appalachians had a average relief, of between three and a half and four and a half kilometers. And it looks like they're about 250 to 300 kilometers wide. So I guess, so yeah. So relief. Yeah. Okay. A re- average relief from three and a half to four and a half kilometers. That's still, that's pretty tall, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's not, not messing around in there.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I, I had classes with both of those professors.
1: Oh, it's your alma mater, man. Yeah,
0: that's why I was showing my, my, my T-shirt here. And my, you got your T-shirt
1: <laughs> on, yeah. <all> right. <laughs> yeah,
0: so, you know, just for reference, four kilometers is, you're, you're, that's over 13,000 feet um, to, to throw it into some imperial units, which are my favorite. Um, you do see, um, I was reading something about, um, uh, one of the reasons the, the relief is, is a little bit steeper in the South versus the North. Do you have, have you, have you ever known this?
1: You know, what, I, I go ahead. Go, uh. I, I mean, we,
0: we can, maybe you have a better explanation, but what I, what I was reading, um, so, when Africa, Proto-Africa uh, was running into um, Proto-North America, as they were approaching each other, their, their initial contact, they actually started, there was some side to side motion where Africa was, was moving south relative to North America. And then it, it sort of made this clockwise rotation in the south and then sort of pushed into North America. So they, the initial contact or, or collision was in the South.
1: Hmm. Um,
0: that's it. I didn't really get into the nuts and bolts of, mm-hmm. and they, there were some vector diagrams that I just, I didn't have the mental capacity to, to deal with, but the <laughs> tallest peaks in the Appalachians are, are, are down, you know, the tallest peak, would be Mount Mitchell, right? In North Carolina.
1: Yeah. Right outside of Asheville.
0: Yeah. Which is, which is uh, a little over 2000 meters. So like 6,600 feet Mm -hmm. Um, and you have the great Smokies, which, and even up into like um, uh, Eastern Kentucky and and West Virginia, you have some steep relief there and that's part of it. You know, they're maybe not super impressive.
2: Now, I I thought a I, lot of that, some of that was attributed to the lack of erosion based on glaciation. Am I wrong? I guess I'm wrong. Silence. Based on your <laughs> face,
0: I I don't know. I didn't know. That. I had never heard that.
2: Um, just that you know, the, the but, more northern hemispheres, the more glaciers you have, the more erosion you get.
1: I mean, you still have like up in the you know further further up north in New England, you still have like Mount Washington. That's 6,200 mm-hmm. feet. Yeah, that's I all right.
2: Then never mind. I'm going to stop talking. I mean,
1: they were definitely carved out by glaciers. We know that. Yeah. But um, I, I don't think. Um, An interesting
0: I, question about. So like the ice sheet. So the during the last, you know, during the Pleistocene glaciations, during all of the glacial events, the Laurentide ice sheet never makes it any further south than the northernmost part of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. But you have, would you still get during these ice ages, like, are you getting little mountain glaciers forming? Say you have to be right, yeah. in The Appalachians and in like the Great Smokies, are you
1: getting? I you have to because remember, even last week we were looking at pictures up in the Adir- Adirondacks for the yeah. uh, for the for the Patreon spe- uh, the extra we did afterwards. You're we looking at uh, was it white? What's the white fa- white sides or white face up in uh, the Adirondacks? Yeah, yeah Neotronics. There's, there's, you can see the the cirque that was carved out of the side of that. So if oh yeah, that's 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 important. an alpine glacial feature. Yeah, but yeah. that's in New York,
2: though. That's where the, the that's, Laurentide but... sheep might have made it that far.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no. But well, what, what, what was your question? How did you phrase your question?
2: Uh, can we get alpine glaciers further south?
1: Yeah, oh, further south. Oh, okay, okay. Form.
0: But I guess I mean, yeah. Even when they were, you know, if they're 13,000 feet or 14,000 feet, you're definitely getting Alpine glaciers up
2: there. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Although, let's think. Yeah, you would. I mean, just and you at,
1: go in. And just look at like modern day. Oh, I guess. No, never, never mind. I'm sorry. I was going to say modern day Antarctica, but then you have that's in the ice sheets as well. So never mind. Forget that. So
0: that's a whole different ball of. Yeah.
2: that's a... <laughs> we. Yeah, we should have. Stuck to our outline that we wrote in our word document. Huh. Yeah, we got, we got off track here. Yeah. Speaking of word documents. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Awesome. segue. Uh, yeah. Formatting formula, uh, www.formaticformula.com or YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula. Um, actually gentlemen, just this week, the formatting formula, updated their website they have a brand new website looks all fancy and fresh and new um, not once did i see the geology final cast on there but i guess that's because they sponsor us and we don't sponsor them it's probably probably a good reason it's why. usually how it works Yeah. <laughs> Fair point. Um, but yeah check check out the new website uh formatting or if you're just looking to figure out your own word um issue please check them out on youtube they have uh, you know tons and tons of videos out there on all different kinds of common problems that people have all the way up to like the super complex problems. So please check them out uh, formatting, formula.com or YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula. Um, if you do check them out, please let them know. They, the geology flannel cast uh, sent you there, put a comment in their YouTube videos or something. I don't know. Some Somehow some way we get credit. That's all I'm looking for is credit. So, yeah, not asking for much. No, no.
1: So back, back to our outline. Well, I want to add some more things in here that aren't in the outline. So, yeah, me
0: too. I've (laughs) I've got some other stuff.
1: Yeah. So we should also note that I think we we kind of talked about this at the, at the end of the last podcast, but when, you know, we call this the the alligator neurogeny. when, when these mountains went up, it wasn't just in North America, we see this this mountain chain continuing over into the Atlas Mountains in Africa, and then up in up into like like Scotland, and then up to um, in the UK, and then up towards uh, up even up into Scandinavia. So it's all part of all from the the same mountain building event. All those different chains, and they were they were well. We'll talk. About, I guess we'll talk in a couple of minutes about how that whole thing got split up. Yeah. Once again, nothing nothing gold can stay. You know. Nope.
0: It would be nice though. Yeah. So um, one of the interesting things is that, so you have the, the collision here and you have the formation of Pangaea. And so Pangaea is really interesting in that you have this supercontinent, right? So this is part of that supercontinent Wilson cycle. Where, where you have super continents forming and, and splitting up every, what is it?
1: 200, 200 million years, 200 million
0: years, give or take what's a few million years, but the interior of this continent is, is, is pretty dry, right? Cause you're so far from, from
1: moisture. I'm really happy. I was going to ask you to talk about this.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. So you have this like interior, like desert, but, on the edge of the uplift, right to the west, you know, to, to to the west of the mountain, you have a lot of shedding and and you have these swamps that form, um, because you have moisture and, and whatnot running down the western slopes. And so you get you get all this erosion and and um, or should I, are we going to talk, we're going to talk about the rapid erosion, right? Yeah. But um, you have all these, these swamps <clears throat> that are forming and it, it's a really interesting time because just in the Devonian, you know, right before this is when we start getting land plants really taking over and leading into this erogeny, you have all these land plants that are, that are sort of um, colonizing land or, you know, evolving onto land. And at the, you know, at or or right after the serogeny, you have this combination of effects where you evolve these, you have all this, you're creating these foreland basins. So when the mountains fold, you create these sort of down warped areas and that they act as, as just collection points where you have these huge swamps that are forming. So you evolve this plant life that takes over. And plants are really good at pulling in CO two mm. um, when they're alive, and and in swamps you have very low energy. There's very little moving water, and so when the plants die, they um, they pile up and um, they don't decompose. And so any CO two you're pulling out of the atmosphere, you're basically converting it into carbon and then burying it, which I'm not even going to talk about becomes coal. The, mo- the, the more interesting part of this story is that you have this combined with the weathering of the mountains, which also pulls down CO2. So at the end of the Carboniferous, you, we go into what's what's called an ice house world. It's this major glaciation because you've pulled so much CO2 out of the atmosphere. I like to call it the overlooked Glaciation. Everyone's all about the Pleistocene. Let's talk about the Carboniferous. That's my motto. Let's talk about the Carboniferous.
2: Let's just talk about the Carboniferous. But
0: it, you know, it, it leads into sort of the the Permian. So you go from the Carboniferous to the Permian.
2: I'm I'm sorry. I'm just envisioning a mug with Jesse's likeness on it. That's my <laughs>
1: motto. Let's talk about the Carboniferous. Why?
0: <laughs> Why are we talking about? The,
1: we'll the work with you to get like an after-school special about this one, right? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Carry on.
0: No, but it's it. You know, it's 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 just this really interesting time, and this is so. This ice house at the end of the Carboniferous into the Permian is was one of um, a friend of the podcast, Alfred Wegner's lines of evidence for continental drift
2: God rest his soul
0: it was uh you had the the Pangea all the the Pangea like a Mm. old timey guy you had the Pangea when all the continents were together and and you have this massive ice sheet that's forming and so remember the ice sheet forms and it's spreading outwards in all directions and so you have evidence of that of that glaciation and that's, you know, one of the lines of evidence for continental drift was that you could look in South America and you could look in India and, and Australia and, and Africa and you could see these striations. And they're all just haphazard and they're all kind of crazy. But if you put the continents back into their fit, back together as Pangea, they all orient themselves around a central point driving outwards like, like it's uh like it's uh call uh, whatchamacallit big old oh. ice sheet so yeah so you, you can
1: see the the glacial striations yeah extending out it's almost like uh spokes on a bicycle wheel
0: yeah that's a great
1: way to, to
0: mention yeah yeah so, it's just it's all from this all from this uplift it's
1: so crazy. two th- two things about what you just said uh-oh uh, number one, Alfred Wegner's a friend of the podcast. <laughs> I, I make that assumption. He yeah. would be. Alfred Wegner died in 1930, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think that even allegedly,
2: knew. allegedly, allegedly. Okay.
0: His spirit lives on.
2: Yeah, in, I believe he's looking down
1: on us.
0: Yeah,
2: in the
1: podcast, just giving us a thumbs up. Like <laughs> you guys are doing great. <laughs> um, yes. There was a second thing I wanted to say. But I can't remember it now. Oh, so. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well.
0: um, I assume it was praise. It was just—I <laughs> was just wanted
2: to tell you you're doing a great job, and
1: I just—you're really progressing the science right now, is nice. in front
2: of our eyes. <laughs> I, I was noting that he said coal, but more importantly, yeah. and and then followed up by something not involving coal. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, I should have mentioned earlier. One comment I did get from a from an actual alive friend of the podcast, uh,
2: Vince. This wasn't via a séance. No, yeah, <laughs>
1: a Ouija uh, board.
0: <laughs> he, he was pretty upset about how we were saying uh, Appalachians. I don't know if we, we should say saying, Appalachians. I wonder if we should be saying more Appalachians. Mm. Which you he know, should
2: start his own podcast then. I'll, I'll oh. flip around. Ooh, dang. I know.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll flip around depending on, you know.
1: I'd say you say Appalachian. Of- I mean, we grew up near the Appalachian Mountains. That's the yeah. local dialect. Like We
0: grew up in the Appalachians. But, you know, depending on the number of banjos and fiddles, I might <laughs> call it the Appalachians.
1: <laughs> to- all right, you flip up all you want. I'm saying I Appalachians. Mean, yeah. I've been to my fair share of shindigs you got i think you gotta you gotta pick one of them like you don't hear somebody say tomato and then the next sentence tomato oh, i've definitely heard want...
2: that the caribbean the caribbean the
1: himalayas the himalayas. Yeah, the himalayas i only know one person that says Himalaya. okay <laughs> i think we all do yeah <laughs> uh
0: do you know someone who says tomato though that's i
1: do the... i know a british person that says tomatoes
0: oh i guess that's okay then not not an American. <laughs> I've never heard Americans say
1: tomato. No. I'm going to try to
2: say it all summer. Yeah. <laughs> see, I, see how many times I get punched in the face. <laughs> uh,
0: I'll give you some updates on how my tomato plants are growing. Exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, it just feels weird to say it like that.
1: I, I can't even do it. <laughs> anyway, back to the
0: Appalachian
1: orogeny yeah. <laughs> I don't know about the Appalachian orogeny, yeah. but um,
0: Appalachian, Appalachian,
1: Allegheny, Appal- Allegheny, Allegheny. Uh, so anything else? Cause I figured the second half, we're about halfway through the podcast. The first half talked about them going up. Anything else you want to add about the, the Appalachians going up? I think we pretty much covered it to tell you the truth.
0: <laughs> That's African-North America collide. Next thing you know, it gets mountains moving on.
2: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the first line of our outline. Uh, mountains go up. Mountains come down. That's it.
1: <laughs> the, That's end. it. the end. <laughs> so we've talked about this on the podcast before, but just to kind of, in, in case you're a new listener and haven't listened to our back catalog yet, mother nature <laughs> hates topography. She can't stand it. And she wants everything to be flat and boring. I I don't know why, but that's that's just what she does. Yeah. She hates pointy mountains sticking up out of the ground. And so what she does is she tries. She to, also doesn't like big holes in the ground. She doesn't like big holes. She tries to fill in big holes. She tries to break down the mountains and just on a rampage filling in holes and breaking down mountains. So what one of the
0: what a rampage. <laughs> I do feel like this is like a. It's like a, a, a fairy tale story, though. We got to find out why she has
2: this anger and right the wrong. She, I think she just says OCD. just wants everything even.
1: Wow. Uh, or it's just gravity. I mean,
0: it
2: doesn't. She, <laughs> yeah. Or it's just physics. And there's <laughs> yeah, no such thing as Mother Nature.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Shh>.
2: <laughs> Ruin it.
1: Yeah. It really takes away. So even mountains that are actively growing are still actively eroding down. And so as soon as a mountain starts to grow uh, it's because it's gets eroded down. And the only way a mountain can grow is when the uplift is greater than the erosion. And so that's, that's, that's the growth rate of a, of a mountain. So mother nature starts tearing this stuff down and uh, uh, there's a few ways that, but I guess the the most common way is, is, is through frost wedging, right? Basically you get uh, mountains are in cold, it's they're they're pretty tall, right? They're in kind of colder areas, and frost wedging is most efficient when you're at an, in the, in an uh, an area where you get melt. The temperatures are above freezing during the daytime and below freezing at nighttime. Um, but basically, water kind of trickles down through cracks within the rocks, um, and then uh, temperatures drop below freezing. Ice is a really weird substance because it expands when it's frozen. Uh, what's the only other thing? I hear? Is it molten I, iron? I think iron I think gets, iron does the same thing too. I, I believe so, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I want to say it's it's iron, but um, off the top of my head. Anyways. I did not know that. Yeah. We might have mentioned it once before in the podcast, but anyways. So we're not talking about iron. We're talking about ice here. right? <laughs>
0: Imagine if you had molten iron raining down on you, you bigger problems to deal you with.
1: Yeah. Even <laughs> bigger problems. <laughs> Weather yeah. Yeah. So anyways, how frost wedging works is um, the water goes into the cracks of the rocks. It freezes, ice expands uh, nine, 9%, right? Yeah. About that. Ish, about 9%. Yeah. Seven. Ice, is it seven?
0: seven? Yeah. It's like 93. Yeah. So well, it might be nine.
1: Okay. It expands, all right? <laughs> and uh, so what happens is, as a result, this expansion, when the ice freezes, is really, really, really strong. And it kind of cracks the rock open a little bit more, right? Imagine, like, the next day, the sun comes out, that ice melts, and it's able to kind of trickle down a little further through into the crack, and then so on and so on and so on. And next thing you know, over, over time, your rock starts breaking apart. Right. There
2: was an episode of MacGyver Shut where up. he had to tried to create a landslide <laughs> to stop the bad guys. You put water into a crack of a rock and then discharge a CO2 fire extinguisher to make the water freeze and pop the rock off. So good. I'm telling you
0: it is. You were right. 9%. I should never doubt you. <laughs> Moral of the story.
1: Lesson learned. There you go.
2: Yeah. I'll never make
0: that mistake twice.
1: <laughs> so I, can so, I,
0: are you still talking about frostbite? i go
1: for some more, but God, what are you going to say? You look like you're really excited about this. next. Well, month.
0: no, I was going to say the, one of the things that happens during uplift, uh, if you bring, um, plutons up. So if you bring igneous rock that is formed in the subsurface, if you have a molten maybe from the volcanoes from the previous orogeny, some of that magma solidifies uh, in the subsurface. If you bring that material to the surface, one of the ways it, it starts to break down <clears throat> is, is that it formed under pressure So it's sort of squeezed all together. And then when it comes to the surface, it no longer is being squeezed together. It doesn't have that overburden on top of it or the rock to the side of it, squishing it. And so it it slowly expands. It's called pressure unloading. And so if you bring these Plutons up, as it expands, as the rock releases this pressure, it cracks because rock does not like changing shape. Um, and this is where you get the cracks initially for the water to start infiltrating in hmm. so the process. Mm. Over. We're working together here.
1: There's a video. Do you guys ever see the video of the people uh, watching the exfoliation dome? Like pop. I was like popping right in front of them.
0: <laughs> yes. It's, it's incredible. Cause you can hear it. Yeah. They're all yeah. going crazy. I mean, I would go crazy too.
1: Yeah, that would be. I wouldn't know what was happening. That would be crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll have to post that. Let me write that. Write a note down. Post, post that video. Fun video of an exfoliation dome, like actively, like cracking up in front of, in front of people. Um. All right. So. Uh, anyways, these mountains, they start breaking up. Mother Nature starts making little rocks out of big rocks, and then eventually, this material breaks up it falls down the side of the mountain so if you ever look at like uh any any modern mountain or whatever you notice that there's something we call like a a scree field at the bottom and it's basically just all these big boulders that kind of just fell off the, the 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 top of the mountain and so that's kind of the start of these mountains breaking up and then eventually the stuff gets broken up into smaller and smaller stuff until it hits like the sand and and, and and silt size really, which we're dealing with uh, mechanical weathering, physical weathering, and then then you have the rivers at play, and the rivers the rivers start taking that material out and just start moving it away and starts transporting it. And I am doing a whole conversation here about the rock cycle. Really, now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the the point I'm trying to make is that. This erosion starts kicking in from day one as the mountains being formed. And then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, you know, just over time, your collision of the the, the, uh, the different continents starts to slow down and the uplift of the mountain slows down until eventually the collision, you know, the, the mountain stops growing altogether and erosion's taking over. Right. So we know that Pangea is not a thing anymore. You can just look at any satellite image of the earth and you know that all the continents aren't connected together anymore eventually what starts happening is the atlantic ocean starts to starts to form and and this once convergent boundary where you had active tectonic collision turns into a divergent boundary now it, the the continents start spreading apart and you start getting this this rift occurring and that's Basically, that is the start of the Atlantic Ocean. So if you want to look at like a, a good analog of what the Atlantic Ocean would have looked like when it was like a, a baby ocean, look at the Red Sea today, all right? The, the Arabian Peninsula is separating off of Northeastern Africa and the, the Red Sea is on this divergent boundary and uh, you get in this uh, this pulling apart motion. And so if you fast forward... Uh, hundred million years from now, hundred plus million years from now, the Red Sea is going to be an ocean. So you look at the Red Sea right now; it's it's it's, it's kind of this. If and if you ocean. look,
0: if you look at the say you follow the Red Sea down, and then you you look at it into Eastern Africa, you see you know all the long linear lakes that you have in Eastern Africa. In in what's called the the East African Rift Valley, you have all these rifts. That, that all these divergent boundaries that are, <clears throat> that are opening up. And, and so you have, you know, <clears throat> um, I'm, I'm blanking on a lot of the names like Lake Malawi and, and um, <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, what are some of the other ones?
1: You know, off if, the top if of your head? you stall for a couple seconds, I can figure it out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So these, these lakes are, the part of the continent splitting up lake turkana is the big one that's sort of yeah, the, yeah.
2: That's, that's what i was
0: humans evolve out of lake turkana essentially not out of the lake but in the in that lake valley <laughs>
2: oh, like swamp thing <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> um but if if you look at a map and and you see uh lake tanganyika that's the other one so lake malawi lake tanganyika
1: victoria Oh, Victoria, that's a little different. That's not yeah, one of those linear lakes.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. But there are these long, deep linear lakes that are a function of, of the rift occurring. Y- you would see that where Africa and North America were connected. And we, we have these long linear lakes that, you know, the initial part of the Pangaea breaking up. And we have leftover sediments from that, you know, here on the East Coast. Um, and we have names for them. You know, we call them basins. So we have like the Newark Basin, or the Hartford Basin, or the Gettysburg Basin. There are these big former lakes. They actually represent parts of the rift that failed, where it started to rift and it created this divergent valley, but it it didn't sort of keep rifting and rip rip apart. It just sort of filled in with sediment. Yeah, it's like stretch marks.
1: yeah stretch marks and oh yeah you're right yeah yeah
0: but um part of that you know part of these these failed rifts you have there's a lot of faults that are there that are then buried and they, they create these sort of points of weakness where we have a little seismicity that um that that occurs uh every once in a while you'll get one of these old sort of faults that'll that'll just you know you get a little slip on it and um i i want to say that um the the major the major area here and it's not from this one it's from the breakup of uh rodinia which was you know neoproterozoic so snowballer earthish when before we were talking about after the grenville before the taconic one of these failed rifts is in uh, new Madrid, which is, you know, the new Madrid seismic zone is the major
2: Missouri. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Missouri. I was, I was trying to think, I was like, Kansas, Missouri. It's right on the boundary of all those States, Missouri and, and Tennessee and Kentucky. Um, and, and, it's a failed rift like this that then got buried with sediment and the weight of that sediment, um, ever, every so often there's a big slip and it's, it's outside of an active plate boundary. It's, it is the most hazardous, um, spot for an earthquake.
2: Hmm. I didn't realize that that's pretty cool.
0: So, uh, so you have these areas and it's all a function of that ripping, ripping it up. And then, uh, did you mention how the whole coastal plain is from erosion? I mean, no, oh, no, wait, was not yet.
2: Didn't, didn't get this. This fun fact of I didn't realize because I don't know my mythology well, but the Atlantic Ocean is named yes. after Atlas. I
0: forgot to mention. Yeah,
2: but Atlas is the son of Iapetus. Yep. So I, I'm sure it was the other way i'm sure the atlantic ocean has been the atlantic ocean forever and yeah. then whoever figured out that the iapetus ocean was there named it iapetus because yeah. iapetus would have been the father of yeah but it, that, that's so cool that somebody took the time to figure that out that like atlas is the son of iapetus
1: which yeah. is so apropos well yeah we we talked about we definitely we talked about that on the podcast about we
0: yeah. talked about,
1: a month yeah. or two ago, right?
0: Iapetus is the son yeah. of uh, Uranus and Gaia. So, the, the sky, Uranus is the sky, god of the sky, and, and Gaia is the god of the earth. Right. And Iapetus is the son of them and uh, is the father of Atlas, Prometheus, and some others. <laughs> <laughs> they don't matter. No. Fire and
1: water. I was but one. Yeah. Of those, I I didn't even know until recently, like within the last several months, what the Atlantic Ocean was named after. It was just one of those things you just you just take it for granted for that that name. You know, you never. No, oh, you got to read that. your uh, Percy Jackson novels.
2: <laughs> oh, no, Percy Jackson, mm. no, the, uh, light, the Lightning Thief. Uh, they're just they're movies anyway and books. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're so well read, Steve. Seems- I, I am. I'm really up on my tween novels. (laughs) (laughs)
0: And just as a, since we're on the topic here, Pacific means peaceful in Spanish. Mm -hmm. Pacifico is peaceful. And it's because uh, one of those European explorers, when he first hit the Pacific, he hit it at like super calm, peaceful winds. And he's like, ah, mer pacifico. It was Spanish. I don't know. Magellan, I think it was.
1: that's right that
2: dude
0: that guy just cruising around the oceans doing bad
1: things i don't Uh, actually know anything that magellan anyway no (laughs) did he do bad things
0: i assume wasn't he was he killed by was he killed by by locals on some island i forget in the yeah in the philippines i think
2: but he was the first one to make it around South America, wasn't he? Yeah, from yeah. Europe. I mean, I mean, his first European.
0: His um, he 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 made it around the around the world, right? They circumnavigated the planet. Well, I guess he didn't because he got killed, but his boat did.
1: Ghost <laughs> ships. Anyways, so, <laughs> so we're all back to ghost ships now. We've come nice. full circle. <laughs> nice. All right, let's uh. I want to talk about the coastal plane. Those then, ships
2: but, piloted by Sasquatch. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: I want to talk about the coastal plane. Uh, but just first, a couple little fun facts about the Atlantic Ocean. Since we're talking about the, the Atlantic Ocean opening up. Um, okay, fun facts. Average depth of the Atlantic Ocean, 3,646 meters, which is, for the Americans out there, 11,962 feet.
2: It's pretty deep. <laughs> Yeah, that's the average. That's crazy.
1: Average depth. 11. Let's say 12,000 feet. I was going to
2: say
0: 12,000, but I'd be way off.
1: You would have been off by 38 feet. Uh, (laughs) 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 All right. Uh, So that's the average depth. Um, You guys know where the deepest part of the Atlantic Ocean is? I
0: I do, but I I just I Uh, just taught oceans in my sedimentary class. on uh, Tuesday.
1: Sorry. So where is it? Oh, well, Steve, since you asked, <laughs> uh, the Puerto Rico Trench has uh, a depth of 8,376 meters, or once again, for the Americans, 27,480 feet. All right, Tw- Jesse.
2: 27,480 feet? Yes. <laughs> 27,000.
1: 27, 20, sorry, <laughs> sorry
0: 27,000. Yeah, I, I said in, in class, I said something like, uh, it's 27,000 and a half feet. And I was like that's not I <laughs> say any
1: of that. Which that's twenty seven thousand, twenty seven thousand and a half and a half feet is <laughs> is
2: 27,000 feet plus a half a foot.
1: Mm-hmm. It's twenty seven thousand six. Because eight. the marianas Trench is 36,000 feet deep. I know yeah, they
0: keep I feel like they just changed it. They Let's just see, keep
1: depth of Challenger deep.
0: Challenger. And
1: deep 36 200 is the first thing that pops up on Google, but that, that's oh. from Noah. So,
0: well, they're good. They're good.
1: What are they, a, Noah? The okay. Uh, speak. how much water do you think is in the Atlantic Ocean?
0: Oh, I don't know this. A lot.
2: Uh,
1: four billion oh. gallons. Jeez. Uh, Let's see. Um, 310 million and ten million four hundred and. Ten thousand nine hundred cubic kilometers.
0: What does that even mean?
1: Exactly. It's it's (laughs) it's it's a lot of it's a lot of water. The Atlantic Ocean.
0: Yeah. Do they count the Gulf of Mexico?
1: Yeah. Uh, This does include this. Yeah. Um, So, does it draw a line at the
2: Drake Passage? But uh, then it's the north part that I have questions about.
1: Well, uh, the the next stat down for shore length, they include the shore length for marginal seas. So, uh, I don't know. It's there's a lot of water in the Atlantic Ocean. These are just fun facts, or I don't like.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's not a fun fact. It's making me angry. Yeah. No, I enjoy that fact. I want to know how many bathtubs, how many times can I fill my bathtub up?
1: How many <laughs> elephants would that be, right? How many <laughs> elephants could <can> we fit <laughs> into the can Atlantic yeah. I,
0: yeah. <laughs> I looked up the weight of like a cube and a nimbus cloud and it was like, it would be 40 elephants. I was like, I don't know how much an elephant
2: weighs. <laughs> tell
0: me in numbers. Like, no.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were an ivory dealer. <laughs> yeah. <you>. Jeez. <laughs> oh, so,
0: man.
1: When we talk about the Atlantic Ocean splitting up, um, it kind of split open in like two phases, basically. The North Central and North Atlantic Ocean split open first. So basically, North America splits off of Africa first. And so it's,
0: and this is right. This is in the Triassic. So this is like 200 yeah. million years ago.
1: Nailed it. 200 to 170, somewhere between 200 and 170 million years ago. Yeah. Yes. Um. So, and then the South Atlantic Ocean, that starts to that starts to split up uh a little a little uh later in the in the Cretaceous. I think I saw 110. hundred hundred and ten. Okay. Yeah.
0: Right. Right in the Aptian <clears throat> to uh, right in the Albion to Cenomanian, because that was a lot of my a lot of my PhD work was on that time period.
1: Oh, okay. There you In the opening
0: of the South Atlantic <clears throat> affects climate It has a has a pretty drastic effect. Did the ocean have a name so, when all the continents were united?
1: We got we got a questioner from a Patreon listener, uh, good friend of the show, Mark. Yeah, so yeah. Do you know, yeah, when it
0: was Pangaea, what did they call the ocean?
1: Uh, it Han- was called Billy. Han- it was not
2: called Billy. It was called the
1: Panth- Panthalassa.
2: Panthalassa, uh, say, yeah. N- known yeah. as, nickname was Billy.
1: But then there was also the Tethys Sea, too, as well. Tethy Sea. Yeah. Billy Ocean? Come on. I'm not even listening to him anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, Panthalassa, pan means all, and Thalassa is just Greek for sea. So it's all sea.
1: Oh, how about that? Look at you. You're really getting the origins of these names here today. Uh, It's uh, it's crazy. When you look into this, I know this is off topic, but when you look into like where the names come, everything has an origin for its name. It's not just like people just making like weird stuff up. There's some really, really interesting stories about um, where these things get their names from.
0: Yeah, I agree. The the etymology of things. Yes. So um, yeah. And the, the Tethys was, was basically during the Mesozoic-ass things, you know. So I guess the Tethys was the tethys part of the... the tethys pan- was,
1: was like, a, like an embayment of... Like yeah. a huge embayment of the Panth- Panthalassa Ocean.
0: So Tethys, who was a Greek sea goddess, who was the sister and consort of Oceanus... Of course, who was the Titan <laughs> son of who, Oceanus son of Gaia and Uranus. So Oceanus and uh, Iapetus are brothers. How about that? Fun, yeah. All well, these fun facts here
1: yeah. at the geology final cast.
0: Tethys is the mother of all rivers and lakes and fountains of the world. I like how they throw in fountains in there
1: with those Greeks. Do waterfalls There's, count as fountains? I don't know. Yeah, there are waterfalls backwards. and geysers in there as well.
0: That's uh, the Greeks were that was unknown to the Greeks, the ancient Greeks. I'm sure the modern Greeks know what a geyser is.
1: Another fun little fact about the Atlantic Ocean: the first reference of the Atlantic Ocean comes during the mid sixth century BC. Hmm. How <laughs> about that? They've been calling it Atlantic ocean for a while now.
0: That's a, that is a fun fact. Yeah. And you got this dopey Magellan coming around here in the 1500s calling it Pacific ocean. I've always said the Atlantic is the better of the, of the two big ones.
1: Okay. Looks like the, the, the Greeks named the Atlantic ocean first. Oh, those Greeks. All right. Uh, let's talk about the, uh, the coastal that, Plain. That
2: would make sense since it was named after a Greek god.
1: <laughs> it's good. Yeah. yeah. How about that? <laughs> um okay. So the Appalachian Mountains, where did they go? They were they were, um there's a little bit left now, but the, yeah, you can still go skiing. Yeah, you go, yeah, yeah. There's uh, uh so most of it's been eroded down. The Appalachians have been around for a really really long time and uh, yeah at this point now most of it has has been eroded down and uh like where the the main the main part of the appalachians is actually where the modern day piedmont is where you get um uh, obviously the, the mountains aren't there anymore now but we get there's a, a band of metamorphic rock um uh, going up uh just adjacent to the east of the appalachian mountains um today but uh that's the that the that metamorphic rock that's exposed we call it the piedmont is the roots of of the mountain chain so it's not there anymore where did it all go it all mother nature tore it all down she got really angry tore the whole thing down and we have these huge sedimentary deposits today so we call this when we get these giant sedimentary deposits being you know the mountains being torn down and that sediment of the torn down mountain gets deposited adjacent to where the mountain used to be. We call this a clastic wedge and we see in the Appalachians. So that's one other reason where we know about these, these, you know, the the previous mountain ranges uh, we see these giant clastic wedges in the rock record. Right. So um, how big, I know that the Catskill formation from the Acadian Orogeny that's like 6,000 feet thick, right? Five
0: thousand feet thick. Yeah, like it's thickest.
1: Yeah, it pinches. Yeah, and it is pretty
2: amazing how based on these different orogenies that the mountains were built and then the mountains were shed, and then some of the sheddings actually become mountains, and the other parts become valleys, and then the volcanic volcanic deposits, like just the, the the whole process is so complex it's ridiculous how how these scientists can yeah i know basically reverse time and figure it all out in
0: parts of the the valley and the ridge of you know (laughs) central pennsylvania some of the the peaks today are the former valleys right that's where the resistant rock was and the less resistant has eroded away that were the former peaks of the mountain and you can see this by looking at say the structure and how the rocks are folded you have these anticlines and synclines and you could see where the former how the mountains would build up but that is all eroded down so that was always a little bit mind-blowing to me you go out there and you you look at these peaks and you're like well that's the valley right so in between those peaks is where the mountain used to be
2: yeah so you have to be you have to be be able to do like little mind tricks to visualize it
1: in reverse. Yeah. It's tricky. It's tricky. It's not easy. <laughs> so um, um, what, what about so the, 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 you could say like the, the classic wedge from the Appalachians would be the, the coastal plain of, of, uh, of today on the, on the East coast of North America. So the East coast of North America is a really extensive coastal plain. Um, Jesse, with the stuff that you worked on, how, how thick was that? The coastal plain uh and stuff through there
0: yeah i mean you, you go down off the you go off south jersey there and you, you hit like of sediment it's like eight kilometers or something yeah it's it's,
1: it's huge yeah it's that's enormous cheese oh yeah. so you give that give that a couple million years that'll turn into well some more million years <laughs> yeah. that'll eventually turn into to rock lots of you know sandstones and that's
2: that's speaking from an environmental consulting end of it like you get a dean apple in south jersey it just yeah it doesn't it doesn't stop yeah it just just goes
0: forget about it
2: yeah (laughs) exactly forget about it uh Uh, yeah you you
0: uh the if you look at a cross-section picture of, of south jersey it's just like this layer cake wedge yeah everything
2: but, um, uh, but uh, that, that layer cake wedge, that that thick sand body is a great aquifer. It's a great source of water yeah. for a lot of the state. So, again, put that in your paper for economic value. Yeah. The water.
0: Got the Kirkwood Cohansi and you got the P- Potomac Magothy. Great aquifers. Some of my favorites.
1: I Googled the thickness of the Atlantic coastal plain and it said it was 185 feet thick. That's the wrong thing, obviously, but I I looked at that number. I was like, that's not right. Something's not right there. You you hit the mantle after that. Yeah. (laughs) Whoa. This is saying in, is this correct? In Maryland, they think the sediments attain a maximum thickness of 40,000 feet. Yeah, it's about 40,000 feet.
0: 40,000 feet. You figure, well, that might be a lot, but like, I mean, in Jersey, Yeah. Off like Atlantic city, you can get eight, 10 kilometers. And that's what's that. That's like 30,000 feet. Wow. So, I mean, let's, I feel like we're spending, you're spending some time here on the coastal plain and, and the beaches of South Jersey and all of South Jersey is essentially made up of this shed sediment. Lest we forget on the Western side of these slopes, we have a big flat table of sediment.
1: You're right. What do we, what do we call that? Plateaus. Plateaus. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah. yeah. yeah the, the, we have the Cumberland Plateau and the Allegheny Plateau. Yeah. On either side. So the Cumberland Plateau is like in Tennessee, up into Kentucky, and up into West Virginia. The question I got a question for you guys. Oh dear. Is there a set divider between the Allegheny Plateau and the Cumberland Plateau? Or is it just kind of a a regional thing? Huh? Is it just one big plateau kind of extending out?
2: Or is it or is that the Blue Ridge sticking in between there?
1: Yes, there is what's uh is it where
0: I don't know is there a river that where's the Ohio? No, that's gonna be it. Yeah, it looks like it's just I don't know people down in
2: Kentucky. Well,
1: yeah. it goes you know, it goes all the way north, to, and then somewhere in West Virginia, I think they they switch it over and they start saying the Allegheny Plateau.
2: Well, it's like yeah. sometimes when you have a a rock formation in one state, and then it the state lines, and it changes names. Well, <laughs> like,
1: but I think hey, I'm this pretty is, sure is no southern, longer
2: this formation; is now this formation.
1: I want to say off the top of my head, uh, and take this with a grain of salt, but. I think Southern West Virginia, they still call it the Cumberland plateau, but then in like Northern West Virginia, it's the Allegheny plateau. And definitely once you hit Pennsylvania, it's obviously the Allegheny plateau.
0: I would say a lot of West Virginia and Northwest Virginia. Yeah. It looks like there's no real geologic difference. It's just historic usage. Okay. Um, Yeah. That's if I, I love looking at, Either a geologic map or a topographic map uh, of these plateaus where you can see the rivers that
2: are just. Oh, like, yeah. The rivers cut through. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. get the river runs through it. The river cuts through it.
0: Yeah. It's just incising out the wazoo.
2: Yeah. It's just like all these like spider veins and yeah. <laughs> Looks very cool.
1: So the, um, these plateaus we're talking about are these giant like deltaic sequences. Of just material that's being shed off of the Appalachians to the to the west, and I mean, you want to go see some beautiful like uh, delta deposits, Kentucky, man, whew, all over the place in Kentucky. Uh, Tennessee has some really really neat stuff, but you get a lot of these like sandstones and conglomerates that are forming, and it's all the stuff that's just draining off of the off of the Appalachians. So there is a ton of sediment. That the Appalachians left behind, it left quite the—I uh, don't know. It, 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 there's a lot of you know. It's there's so much when you, when you when you add up just kind of the the volume of those two plat- the Cumberland Plateau and Allegheny Plateau plus the the coastal plain on the other side. That's a lot of material, you know. Yeah,
2: and it, if you just open up uh, Google Earth one day. And, it, you know, it kind of, at least for me in the United States, it kind of zooms in on the like a big satellite view of the United States. But if you look to the east, you can see like this light blue edging all the way down the entire coast, the entire east coast. That is that coastal plain. So imagine, you know, if you were to drain the ocean a little bit, the, the beaches would extend basically out to that light blue area. And e- even when, you know, obviously there, there's not as much erosion and things like that, but when you look into those light blue areas, you can see during the last ice age where those rivers cut into it. And essentially yeah. that's the same thing that was kind of happening on the West side as well, but obviously much more prevalent because it's not covered by a giant ocean now. Yeah. So yeah, just do yourself a favor, just just go on Google Earth. Uh zoom into the ocean near like New Jersey or Maryland or Virginia and you can see all this stuff. It's it's really pretty cool.
0: Then go look at the Allegheny or Cumberland Plateau.
2: Yeah, in in topographic, yes. I have a big geologic map of Pennsylvania. It is fascinating.
1: So I got one other fun fact. Well, Ooh. Uh, about kind of its coastal plain eroded remnants of the Appalachian Mountains. So if you look at, and it's really interesting how geology has controlled human infrastructure. I'm always like amazed by how humans build around, you know, and it ends up being the, the humans end up following the geology, right? So you look up the major cities along the, the US Eastern seaboard, all right? So we got cities like I'll just starting uh, some of the, the biggest ones are starting in like Virgi- uh, Virginia, right? We got Richmond, we go up to D.C., Baltimore, Philadelphia, right? Going all the way up into, into New York. These giant, these big cities are all on the edge of the Piedmont. It's basically they're they, they where the Piedmont meets the coastal plain. And so we call this the fall line. And the reason that it's called the fall line is because the rivers that are draining off like the Potomac in, in, uh, in Virginia, we have this area called great falls right at, right at the, at the fall line. You tend to see not so much like you think like fall line, you think you'd see like waterfalls, but you see like a lot of rapids and, and things like that. Some, some white water or whatever. And it's just from the rivers draining from kind of like the older metamorphic crystalline rock. And then all of a sudden then it hits the, uh, it hits the flat coastal plain. So that, that area is basically where the <laughs> where the coastal plain hits the Piedmont. It's called, it's called the Fall Line. And all these major cities were built on the Fall Line. And the reason that they're there is because when they were, when the United States was being colonized, uh, the Europeans were taking their ships up the rivers and they basically hit these points. They hit the Fall Line and you couldn't get past it. And so they said, "All right, that's cool. We'll just uh, we'll just build our city here." And and that's that. And that's how these. That's why these major cities are where they are. They took the rivers up from the ocean, took them across the coastal plain, hit the fall line, couldn't pass it, and they said, "This is it. Good to go." And,
2: and some of that also has to do too with the fact that they were they were taking advantage of the fall line. They were putting mills and um, sure, yeah, all yeah. all different kind of industrial processes where they were using that that drop of that potential energy that the water dropping down they were using it to spin turbines to spin mills to to basically produce you know you, you look at like the brandywine river there was all kinds of you know there was something like 150 mills on the brandywine river just between like the pennsylvania border and the the atlantic ocean um, so that that fall line, yes, they couldn't get their ships up further. But then they were also taking advantage of that big drop in topography to to power essentially the industrial revolution. It's
0: it's interesting. I mean, even the the Appalachians further a little bit to the west, the barrier they acted as uh, until the you know the early to mid eighteen hundreds. They were a major barrier for towards like westward expansion. How did most people get to California in 1849 for the gold rush? They got on ships that went around South America. Really? Holy! They're, the transcontinental railroad w- w- wouldn't come about um, until I want to say it was it was 1869. It was after the Civil War, so like there the majority of of people traveled by ship for like, you know, in 1849 for the great gold rush in California, like the, 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 these mountains acted as uh, they were a a significant barrier, even just putting a a train across the state of Pennsylvania was like this technological that that, that's why like the Erie canal or, or, um, the, the uh, what was the big canal in Pennsylvania? The the one canal that that basically traversed these things were
1: is that the the C and B, and B and O Canal or C No? Yeah, it's two letters, think, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think it's the, well. There,
2: there's the C and D Canal, but that's in Delaware. That connect the actual Delaware Bay with the Chesapeake Bay. That's why yeah. it's C and D Canal. Yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, I think. But like these are technological achievements, like to to, to get westward expansion it's it's kind of crazy when you think about you know the appalachian mountains and then you get people traveling west and wait till they run into the rocky mountains Whew.
1: it's uh the cno canal by the way you that's chesapeake yeah. and ohio canal that's what the cno stands ah, for there it is i never knew that i just never yeah. thought to ask why
2: <laughs> but but through a lot of these irages too speaking of um Rivers in Pennsylvania. You have that Susquehanna.
1: Just, That's a weird one. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, th- there.
2: You know, there are lots of uh, literature out there that says this might be the oldest river on the planet. Yeah, because now, the, the Susquehanna dissects the Appalachians, right? Yeah, right, which means it was there while these orogenies were happening, mm-hmm. or at, at least the the latest one. So
1: you're you're talking, it's at least 220 million years old. It's an old river. And then the new river as well is the new (laughs) river dissects. The new river is a really old river. Then the new river is just, you know, it could be potentially that old as well. It's one of the oldest rivers in the world. And that also dissects the Appalachian mountains. And the interesting thing about the new river is that it's headwaters are on the east side of the Appalachians and it crosses over the Appalachians and eventually hooks up with the, I think it goes into the Ohio, but eventually it goes into the Mississippi and out the Mississippi Delta. So it's, I I think it's the only river that crosses, it's where it, it actually, it's headwaters are east of the Appalachians and the mouth of the river is at the, you know, or ultimately dumps out the Mississippi Delta. Hmm. Yeah, very cool. Well, I think that extensively covers the Appalachian Mountains.
2: Yeah, and i tell you what, one day we'll have to do a, episode on the fall line and the whole yeah. i-95 corridor and how it how it pertains to weather
0: oh yeah, yeah. the i-95 corridor
2: uh, you don't know how many times oh, you hear it turn yeah. on the news like oh you know and and the snow is going to fall that i-95 corridor and it's not just because the snow's like getting you know directions from ways it's it's because of that fall line that fall line is you know there is a topography change and when there's uh, even just a slight twenty foot topogra- topography change, you may get a difference between snow and rain. So
1: crazy. And the other thing I wanted to mention this before, but I ninety five connects all these major cities, which were you know built right on there on the fall line. If you want to know where the fall line is on the east coast of the U.S., where you get that transition from Piedmont to Coastal Plain, just follow I ninety five. Like follows it nearly to yeah. a T. You can actually I mean, see the fall line also at nighttime uh, from like a satellite image of the earth. You can see just all the lights from all the cities and it uh, show, you can see it shows it's right on the fall line, brings up the fall line. There you go.
2: That's yeah. it. The more, you know,
1: there. <laughs> so any other fun facts about the Appalachians? I think that's it.
0: That They're my favorite mountains. We have.
1: <laughs> we have a podcast documentary here that rivals anything that Ken Burns did. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say that this is a, a timeless podcast on the, on the Appalachian mountains. Uh,
2: no, I can put a date to it. It's about a
1: billion years old. Sorry, sorry. Well, if you want to go back to Grenville, but
2: yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks everybody. Uh, thanks to all our patrons. We had a couple of good questions during the podcast today. Um, we really appreciate that. If you'd like to become a Patreon, um, please check us out patreon.com uh slash geology flannelcast. Mm-hmm. Um we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, I don't know.
1: GeologyPlanelcast.com. Do Obviously. You follow us on YouTube, YouTube watch the videos, the Yeah, subscribe
2: videos. to us on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, drop us some comments. If you if you, if you do, do
0: send us messages, uh, like a a, a message from a, a person on Instagram. I just never responded to yet. I'm going to get there. I'm just really bad at it. Uh, <laughs> who was asking a question about rare earths and, and um, uh, other sort of economic minerals. It's a great idea. We'll probably do a.
2: That That is a great on. idea because there's, there's a lot of uh, uh, green energy that reply that requires a lot of mining, which Sometimes mining is not green, so you know, as far as your carbon footprint, I guess, what's the cost benefit ratio, yeah. and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's a very interesting topic. So keep them coming, keep them yeah. coming.
1: Thanks, everyone. Also, if you're interested in uh, if uh, helping out the podcast, we got some merch up on uh, geologyflannelcast.com as well. Go check that out. Uh, Steve, where's your where's your flannel cast t shirt? Normally it's oh, in the I'm background. Sorry. it it depends on the level of uh work call that i have um
2: if it's really important i put it down if it's not important i i keep it up
1: (laughs) um so we got mugs t-shirts stickers fun stuff um hoodies too so anyways thanks everyone so much for listening this week to this episode of the final cast And we will catch you guys next week with another fun and exciting episode of the geology Flannelcast. cast. Thanks so much. We love you guys. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week. Bye. All right. Thanks a lot.
0: Bye. Thanks for stopping. Bye.